This being the first Sunday in a new year, I, I know resolutions seldom work. And I think I've seen surveys where two or three weeks after the new year, most of the resolutions we make in the first few days are gone. But I just, I still think it's worthy of a challenge. And so 1 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 10 talk about training ourselves and disciplining ourselves. And I know the word discipline does not sound very appealing. It's not very popular, but the word disciple comes from the same root as discipline. So if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, there is discipline in your life. The question is, what kind of discipline is it? And what is, what is God teaching you through it? So I have a real simple sermon outline in your worship bulletin this morning. And uh, just some things that would be worthy of our spiritual disciplines. 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 10. Paul is writing to his, his, um, his younger brother, his son in the, in the ministry, his son in Christ. He says, if you put these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of the faith and of the good doctrine which you have followed. So Paul is telling Timothy to put these words in front of the church. Have nothing to do with godless and silly myths. Train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. So look at verse 8 or verse 7. Train yourself in godliness. Verse 8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself in godliness. Let's bow together. Father, as we turn the calendar over, it's a natural line of demarcation, it's a natural separation from 2015 to 2016, and if ever we want to begin incorporating new disciplines, new patterns into our lives, this is the perfect time to do it. But we can't do it by ourselves. There's so many distractions, so many obstacles, mainly just the way we've always done things is the way we'll naturally tend to continue doing them. And so help us break out of old ruts and routines and begin doing something new for you and for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just to be honest, we are creatures of habit, aren't we? It is so easy just to get into a rut, a routine. I'll be driving to work one day and think to myself, I need to stop and do this on the way to work. Guess what happens? You drive right on by it and just go right where you're going to go and, and what you've always done, you're just going to complete. And then I'll drive by and I think, oh man, I, I'll be going home in the evening. I need to stop at Walmart and get this and I'll just go right on home without even stopping. How many times are you going to write 2015 on your checks or anytime you date something before you remember, hey, it's 2016. I've got to get out of that habit and start and try something new. There are some good habits that are worthy of following. 
You know, I was thinking this morning, just a few minutes ago, I hope, I hope this morning you didn't wake up and say, gee, I wonder if we should go to church or not. I hope that's not a decision that you have to make every Sunday. It's just, it's a given, it's a pattern that you have developed. And I hope it's more than a habit. I hope it's more, I hope it's something that you really desire to have fellowship with God and with fellow believers in Christ. There are some habits that are not so helpful, things that get us in trouble, things that we, that we do, we don't take care of ourselves, we aren't doing what we ought to be doing, we don't need to be doing. And so I got to thinking about habits and patterns and disciplines and, and looking up some definitions, a habit is nothing more than a grooved pattern of behavior. A grooved pattern of behavior. And so I was thinking about those dirt roads that you're driving down and they have ruts where the tires go. You've been on those, haven't you? And you're riding along and your tires just naturally go where the ruts are. And what happens if you want to try to get, you know, turn just a little bit and get up out of that rut so the, the undercarriage of your car doesn't drag on the median or something? You want to, you got to really, you know, force your steering wheel just a little bit to get up out of the rut, either on top of that median or over on the shoulder a little bit, just so, you know, you're doing something different. That's what it takes, I think, to get out of the old habits that we've been in and try to start something new that's helpful and good. You've got to work hard at making new grooves, at making new patterns, and if you want to call them ruts, whatever. Get out of the old rut and start forming a new one in maybe a little bit different direction. There's been a lot of uh, psychology and kinesiology, I guess, recently about professional athletes like golfers who do a swing over and over and over again and they do it so much, what do they call it? Muscle memory. Have you heard about that, read about that? Muscle memory, it's, it's a golfer can do a swing so often, basically he can do it in his sleep. A tennis player does the same serve over and over again and basically it's just muscle memory. You don't have to think about it anymore. It just comes naturally, it comes automatically because your muscles have been so conditioned and trained and patterned to do the same thing over and over again. Well, I think if we can have muscle memory with professional athletes, why can't we have character memory or spiritual memory for Christians? Why can't we? Why can't we do something that's good and honoring and glorifying to God so often? that we develop a pattern and when it comes time to make a decision, we don't even have to think about it. We don't have to think about getting up on Sunday morning and whether or not we're going to go to church. We don't have to think about when faced with a difficult decision, whether or not we're going to tell the truth or tell a lie. You just don't think about it. When you are confronted with a large sum of money, you don't have to think about whether or not you're going to take a little bit of it for yourself that doesn't belong to you. You just don't even think about it because you've done the right thing the right way so often that it is a character memory, a spiritual memory that has been so ingrained in your heart and your soul that doing the right thing, doing the good thing just comes naturally. Paul is writing in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, train yourself in godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness 
is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, not only for the present life, but also for the life to come. Now, you know Paul loves athletic metaphors. He talks about running a race. He, ta- he, he talks about, you know, uh, uh, folks in, in the arena all the time and what they strive to do and what they run for to get the crown, to get the award. I think Paul was, I think he might have been a sports not a fanatic, but he was just a sports fan. And if someone had come up to Paul and said, hey, Paul, I'll race you to that sycamore tree down there. I bet Paul would have hiked up his cloak and taken off with him. Paul was an athlete. And he he talks about train yourself in godliness. And the picture is that of an athlete who is in training. Only Paul moves it from physical training, which is good for this life, over to spiritual training, which is good for the life to come. So I want to challenge us this morning, and I just came up with five challenges, five resolutions, and and I know I'm not going to keep all five of them. I know you're not going to keep all five of them, but if you make a little progress toward one or two, then I think we would have accomplished something worthwhile today. Think about some realistic resolutions where we can begin to build in character memory and spiritual memory because I think God wants to carve some new grooves in our character and in our spirit. And if we don't do it this first week of January, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? The first thing that I'm going to do and I challenge you to do with me is to take better care of our bodies take better care of our bodies. And this is something we Baptists don't talk about very much because we just don't talk about how we take care of our bodies. Let me give you something I was thinking about this past week. I was in Louisville, Kentucky for eight years in seminary and got interested in the Kentucky Derby and horse racing and those kinds of things. It's just part of the culture there in Louisville. American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown this year. And it's it's been, good night, 25, 30 years since a horse won the Triple Crown. That's the three major uh, horse racing events. Uh, Derby, the Preakness, the the Belmont Stakes. His value suddenly skyrocketed to $100 million. That's a horse worth $100 million. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think his trainers are going to feed him a Big Mac or a Whopper? Oh, what about a chocolate malt from Dairy Queen or Sonic? Doesn't they just make your mouth water? I'm really struggling here. I did a series of sermons on the seven deadly sins probably 10 years ago. And one of the seven deadly sins that I preached on was gluttony. And I got more comments from that sermon than from any other sin that I, the other six that I preached on. Why? Because we Baptists struggle with it. We like our fried chicken. We like our sweet tea. We like our banana pudding. All those things are delicious. But how do we deal with 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, that says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. 
So how do you glorify God in your body if you don't take care of it? If you don't um, do what you need to do to honor God, to glorify God in your body? So let me be transparent here and confess something. I have not been taking care of my body. I have been eating too many fatty foods. I don't exercise. I don't have any energy. And a large part of the time, I just don't feel good. And I know it's because I have not been taking care of my body. So this is the pledge that I'm going to make to you. And I'm sharing it with you because I need somebody to hold me accountable. Okay? Hold me accountable. I'm going to do the Daniel plan, which is a discipleship offering starting January 13th. I think it lasts six weeks, John, six or seven weeks. I've already bought the book. And the Daniel plan is a plan patterned after Daniel in the Old Testament who refused to eat all the fatty foods that um, the king was giving. And he ate healthy. And at the end of that period of time, he was healthier than all the other men in his realm. Now, I don't pretend to be healthier than everybody else in church. But I just need to take care of myself. And if you see me drinking sweet tea or eating fried chicken or, or something, if taking the elevator instead of the stairs, if you see me doing anything I shouldn't be doing, I give you permission to come and say, Brother Wayne, you aren't taking care of yourself. Can I do that for you? <laughs> I know it doesn't sound spiritual. Physical, but it is spiritual. Because how can we serve God if we don't have any energy, if we don't feel good, if our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit and we don't take care of it, if, if, if American Pharaoh's owners take care of him, how much more valuable are you to God than a horse? How much more valuable are you? And yet we don't take care of ourselves like that. So for the next seven weeks, John's going to be doing prayer meeting for me and I'm going to be in a, in a discipleship class because I need this to be obedient to God and to honor His Word that our physical bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think the Holy Spirit is very comfortable in this temple of Wayne right now. And maybe you need to, to do something too. So that's, that's something that I'm going to work on. And I need your help because I just can't do it by myself. I need somebody to hold me accountable, a group of people. And maybe you want to join us in that, that Daniel plan. It's going to start the 13th. Um, Janet Girk is going to be leading it. And we're going to talk about what it takes to honor God with our bodies. So that's one resolution I'm making. And maybe you want to think about it too. The second thing is starting the day off right. How does your day usually begin? Do you slap the snooze button two or three times and then grouchily eventually get out of bed and head for the shower and eventually into the kitchen to get a cup of coffee? I see y'all elbowing each other. There's got to be a better way to start the day. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. I know that's, you hear that a lot. But it's true. And if you say that before you get out of bed in the morning, maybe it's a good way to start the day. Maybe 15 minutes with God early in the morning is a good way to start the day. Reading Scripture. 
If you look at the Gospels, look how many times Jesus got off by himself in the morning and spent time with the Father. And he and the Father were one. So if Jesus had to do it, how much more do you and I need to do it in order to have a relationship with God? And he is just sitting and waiting for us to come to him, to talk to him, to hear from him, to read, to pray, to spend some quiet time with him. You know, I, I was, I've been watching a lot of bowl games this past few weeks. You've been watching football? Um, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out because last night was the last bowl game until the 11th, which is going to be a great game. But anyway, you know, they talk a lot about quarterbacks. If a quarterback can just get into the rhythm, get into a rhythm, you know, establish a pattern of throwing the ball and getting confidence and, you know, he can just kind of take over and dominate the game. We need to get into a rhythm early in the day and it will, it will guide us throughout our day. If you start off grouchy in the morning, I mean, the whole day may just get up on the wrong side of the bed. The whole day may be the wrong side. But if you get into a rhythm and start off right and realize what God has done for you, then the whole day can go better because you're spending it and you realize God's with you and his presence makes that day so much more valuable, so much more important. Third resolution, I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to do something for God this year. A lot of you already have a ministry. But some of you don't. Paul urged the Corinthians to excel in the gifts that build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Excel in the gifts that build up the church. So last, let me ask you, somebody were to come up to you and say, where do you go to church? And you say, First Baptist. And they say, well, what do you do there? Besides just slip in and slip out for worship. What do you do? Is there a ministry that you have? What is your ministry? Everybody can do something. I don't think there's a part of the body of Christ that is not necessary. I don't think anybody is an appendix. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has value in the body of Christ. We have homebound members who can't do anything else, but you know what they do that's more important than anything else? They pray. Prayer partners, prayer warriors, even homebound, even watching by television can be prayer partners. And prayer is the most important thing that anyone can do. You can be part of the, the prayer ministry that meets during the worship service. You can serve somewhere. You can call us in the office and say, I've got these skills and I don't feel like I'm using them for the kingdom. I don't think God's getting any glory from them. What can we do? And, and we'll put our heads together. We'll come up with something because I believe God brings us together for a purpose. And he's not going to squander. God is too wise to squander any purpose, any gift that any of you have that's not being used for his kingdom and his glory. So let me just challenge you to think about what ministry can I do for God this year? What can I do for him? The fourth thing that we all need to work on is I'm going to watch what I say. Be careful what you say. What if God were present in every conversation that you have? Would you still say it? Would you still carry on that conversation if God were present? Let me tell you something, He is. He hears what you're saying. 
And the Bible says that we'll give an account for every idle word we utter. And so we need to be careful how we use our tongues and how we use our speech. I've done some funerals in recent weeks and several times I've heard people say about somebody that, you know, I never heard him say a mean or negative word about anybody. I was wondering, could folks say that about me one day? Could folks say that about you one day? He never or she never said a mean or negative word about anybody. Paul gave us the standard in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who was the head, Jesus Christ. We are to speak the truth, but do it in love. James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that people will know you're speaking the truth and won't have to equivocate or wonder any, any way if what you say you mean something else or you say you're going to do something and then not do it. Does our speech build somebody up or does it tear somebody down? And if it doesn't build somebody up, why? Why do it? You know, I've known folks who like to talk about other people and tear them down because I don't know if they felt like if they tore them down, they could step up on their corpses and be higher up. I don't know. But tearing somebody down never raises you up. It just makes you look small in other people's eyes. So here's some challenges just to think about for 2016. I will not utter a profane or obscene word. I will not gossip about others. And some people say, well, I don't gossip. I just tell the truth in love. I looked up the definition for gossip, and the definition for gossip is casual conversations about other people, usually involving details that may or may not be true. Casual conversation about other people, usually involving details that may or may not be true. So even if they are true, it's still gossip if it's just casual conversations about other people that doesn't build anybody up. It's just talking about them. And then alternatively, not uttering profane or obscene language, not gossiping about other people. Thirdly, how about saying something encouraging to somebody every day? Do you know how many hurting, struggling, limping people there are around you that you pass by every day? And it's, it, it, it's nothing to say I appreciate you. You look nice today. You are, so, you are such a good person. You know, just, I really like the way you did that. Just something encouraging, something helpful would help them so much. And it costs nothing. But it's something that you can use your speech for to build somebody up rather than tear them down. The fourth thing, the fifth thing is live abundantly. We've talked about taking care of ourselves physically because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, starting the day off right, doing something for God, watching what we say, and living abundantly, living joyfully. I'm so tired of Christians walking around like they have lost their last friend on earth. Christians ought to be the most joyful, happy, celebrative people on the face of the earth because we have so much for which to be grateful, so much to live life abundantly, 
Eternal life begins when we die, but when you become a follower of Jesus, abundant life begins right now here on earth. And we aren't living like that, and until we do, we aren't going to attract anybody to the faith. Who wants to, to join a, a group of people that just mope around and are depressed all the time? But we need to be joyful and happy because we have everything to be thankful for. You know, I love animals. I love dogs. And um, I saw a saying that I just can't get out of my mind a couple months ago. It said, I wish I were half the person my dog thinks I am. I wish I were half the person my dog thinks I am. You know, you can, you can be happy. We, we have so much for which to be. Let me just give you some things that we can be grateful. First of all, you live in the greatest country in the world, and you're free. You're free. Secondly, you were made by God, and there is no one else like you. No one else exactly like you. Third thing, Jesus knows everything about you, and he still loves you unconditionally. He knows everything, and he still loves you. Fourth, even though you are a sinner, you can be forgiven if you ask God's forgiveness. He will give it. He is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And five, you are a child of God. You belong to him. You are an heir of the riches of God in Christ Jesus. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you because you and he are brothers. Six, nothing can separate us from God's love. There's nothing you or I can do that will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And seven, no matter what's happening to you here on earth, we are going to heaven one day. We are bound for heaven. And God's just working out the details now. We're making preparation for eternity right now. And that's something to look forward to. So I, those things can help us live joyfully and live abundantly. You are loved. You are forgiven. You live in this great country. And we're going to heaven. And I know your life isn't perfect and you have problems. And it's like Laura Story's song, Blessings. Maybe God is, is building character in you. Maybe he's, he's teaching you. Maybe he's growing you as a disciple to believe in him, to have faith in him, even when your circumstances surrounding you aren't perfect. So five simple resolutions for 2016. Take care of ourselves. Start off the day right. Do something for God. Watch my speech. Live abundantly. These won't get you into heaven. <laughs> Doing these things won't get you into heaven. Your faith in Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, is what gives you salvation. But we're just fulfilling Paul's admonition to train up ourselves in godliness. For whereas bodily training has some value for the present life, spiritual training lasts forever. A woman came to see a doctor one day and she had a long list of complaints. The doctor checked her out and he couldn't find anything physically wrong with her. Couldn't find anything physically wrong. And he decided that perhaps these long lists of complaints were all tied to her negative 
outlook on life. And so he pointed to a row of empty bottles on his shelf. And he said, see those bottles? He said, I can fill one of those bottles with poison. And it's enough poison that will kill somebody. Or I can fill that same bottle with medicine. Enough medicine that will cure some horrible illness. So I can fill each bottle with something harmful or something helpful, depending on my choice. And then he made the connection. He said, each day God gives us an empty bottle. He gives us an empty bottle. And we can either fill it with something harmful or something helpful. And it's not only each day, it's each year. It's our whole lives. We can fill, our, fill that bottle with something harmful or something helpful. But the choice is ours. And I believe... I realize it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. But I believe that we can create some new patterns that will become spiritual disciplines, will become new paths that will help us establish new ruts that will honor God and bring Him glory. It's going to be difficult. We can't do it by ourselves. But all these things honor God, and He'll help us do them. Let's bow together. Father, I'm, I'm not being naive. I, I know that it's so hard to establish new patterns, new routines. But if a professional athlete can incorporate muscle memory by doing the same thing over and over. Maybe initially it's going to be hard. But I believe we can establish some character memory and some spiritual memory and do good things the right way initially with your help over and over again. And then in time It'll be the new pattern of behavior. It'll be the godliness that you desire that we built into our lives that you've enabled us to do. We're going to need your help, God. And we'll fail. It won't be perfect. But when we do, just help us get up and start over. And never give up. But do what honors you. Because we belong to you and only you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.